What happens when you get three photographers in one room and all they can talk about is politics and the cost of fine art? Let's find out. This is our third episode of My Viewfinder. I'm just going to quickly mention Alvin's in short shorts to show off his fucking thighs. Those I saw fucking, every muscle group. I just came from... I, those I just worked out, guys. <laughs> crush, crush my face between those, please. Holy fuck. <laughs> str- talking about oiling up. He just struts across <laughs> yeah. the video feed. I'm oh. trying to be a muscle mommy right Humble now. bragging. Fucking I'm muscle. in my muscle mommy era. Uh, classic himbo energy. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. Before right. we get too sidetracked, Danny, you got to quickly introduce yourself because we didn't oh, have you on this podcast yet. Yeah. Hi, I'm Danny Luong. Uh, so I'm a guest. I'd invite a guest on Mokinstis here in Calgary. It is uh, something that a lot of my work reflects. And yeah, I don't know. I won an exposure award this year. Damn, that's crazy. Uh, that's the small low key flex. Exposure being the Calgary Photography Festival here. Yeah. Damn, even I didn't win uh, an exposure award. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, well, they well, see you us just now. you just won one with just me not... uh, calling out you exposing yourself on the video feed. So yeah, that's right. You can have that exposure <laughs> award. <laughs> wow, working for exposure. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so today we wanted to talk about uh, consumerist capitalist. Uh, commercial fine art and photography. Is that right? Uh, yes. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly oh, yeah. what we want to talk about. <laughs> Speaking about awards and photography festivals. All right. So I guess before we get into just random opinions, I have been learning about some of the brief overview of the history of art dealing. So we won't go into it sequentially because we're not art historians and it doesn't really fucking matter. But we know that uh, mostly art, capital A art, uh, as a profession, uh, really start off with uh, commissioned works with private collectors in the church, etc. And so you actually got painters who are able to feed themselves, allegedly, uh, being paid for art. And then you get private dealers. So what I read in the 15th through the 17th century, we start developing the private dealer as its own adjunct profession and the development of speculative selling. So we're no longer dealing with art as a uh, commodity of labor. Uh, we're already talking about it as a investment in future uh, bourgeois fucking, uh, I don't know, wealth, right? No, no, yeah, you got the right idea. So the interesting thing for us as photographers, because photographer uh, photography as an art form doesn't happen until... I mean, late 19th century, but really selling it is like 20th century stuff, right? Very nascent. I read, um, it's kind of fascinating. So this book I'm holding, which I kind of scan, it's called Rogue's Gallery. Uh, I just got the library, but it tracks some of the major players, uh, Dervine and all these guys. But the one I want to focus on is the guy that made Sotheby's because Sotheby's is so big right now with all the fucking Banksy and NFTs and all that shit. They seem to Wait, be- what? What is that? Sotheby's? Yeah, what that is. Yeah. The auction oh, house. Oh, oh, like the, the auction house? Yeah. So they're yeah, like, okay. you know, they're the focal point of the top, top end fine art world now. But there's this guy, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, Fuck, is it Peter Wilson? So Sotheby's was like a intermediary pure art house where art dealers would come and hawk their wares and they would get like a fraction of the percentage off the sales. But this guy, Peter Wilson, comes in like, uh, 1930 something and then he goes to the war he was a spy for England and when he comes back and takes over Sotheby's he realizes we need to cut out the middlemen we need to build up our own uh, storehouse of art 
and project our own profitability onto it, which is why Sotheby's now dictates the value of fine art instead of just being a go-between. So they're not an auction house. They're actually an art dealer. And so that's where photography comes in because that's around the era where people started spending money on photographs, proper like Andy Warhol money, right? So um, yeah, I just thought I would frame it that way to start because I've been reading a lot about that and the two essays I put up, posted on Discord just about, yeah, the uh, influence of uh, problematic capitalism on our chosen profession, <laughs> if you can call it that. Profession. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, what's the first question? Like, what's your relationship? You know, Dan, you're active right now in the Calgary photography art scene, and Alvin and I have both participated in, in the past. Uh, but Alvin and I start off this season with our disenchantment with it, and you're still engaged. So maybe you could start and tell us uh, why. Why the fuck are you submitting shit to art exhibitions, man? <laughs> why? Um, well, I mean, the first self-serving thing is like you have to get a CD, right? You gotta if you want to fucking you want like I don't know like after transitioning from being like normal worker drone guy with a fucking resume. I wanted to join the art world because I wanted, you know, wanted something different. I wanted to see what the other side was like, you know, dip my toes in or something, right? Um, and, you know, I'd gotten a lot of already like emotional and support um, from a lot of my friends and family saying like, you know, my work is good and stuff like that. It should be, it should be and going, and it should go and be places, you know? So it's like, um, you know what? I'm going to give this a serious shot. I will try my best. Um, and you know, dip my toes in, get in there. Um, and, you know, I've quickly been finding that I'm getting like pretty ultimate jaded too, you know, like um, no one, like one of the struggles that I had is like, you know, I'm starting a new project right now on um, Vietnamese gangs here in Calgary, specifically during like the 2000s era of the FOB FK war. Yep, um, I like know The that. gang war here in Calgary, yeah. So um, I've been kind of making this little project about it, uh, going out, shooting locations where the 25 different murders happened from 2002 to 2010. Um, going out on the day that they died, I have one actually to, tonight, yeah, tonight at 8.20 p.m. Um, I got all the information from the Calgary police. I did it all myself. Um, but, you know, I wrote a grant to try and get some money to get paid to go out there and do the work, you know. But I kind of got dressed down by one of my good friends and her name's Teresa and she was just telling me about how like the grant writing process itself is kind of like extremely flawed and getting this money is like you know there's like all these unwritten rules like I can't ask for subsistence and pay myself as well you know what I mean like because that's like seen as kind of like weird and too greedy I, I don't know what 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 it is but it's an unwritten rule right so there's like these weird unwritten rules in the art world that after someone explains them to you you're like okay yeah I guess that makes sense but as a newcomer like you'll write a grant because you're like, well, yeah, I would love to have subsistence, you know, like my projects themselves don't cost that much. Right. Because I have my film. I've bought my film through connections um, through people selling film. So like I have a stockhold or stockpile that I shoot through, you know, so I don't necessarily need to put that into the cost. Right. Of making work. Um, but you, you should. Know, you should. Right, right. But and this is the other thing. Right. Like and every time I'm talking about grants of people. Um, lots of people are always like, yeah, you know, you, you should pad it up. You should make sure that you're putting all your costs in there, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, at some point for me, it just feels kind of like disingenuous. And then I kind of lose, um, any will or drive to want to do it, you know? Cause I'm like, well, you know, like none of this matters anymore. I'll just go do fucking do the work and kind of what Teresa said to me, which I agree with is like, 
grants aren't good for people who are going to do the work anyway. You know what I mean? Like, because like grant, what, what a grant, like what a, what a grant's really looking at when they're looking at and judging your, 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 your application is like, will this happen without or with or without the money? Like if it won't happen without the money, right. Then, then, then they'll, they're, they're more favorable and giving you the grant. But if, for example, that this is likely a thing that's going to happen anyway because you're driven and you're passionate about the projects that you want to do, like I am, then they don't necessarily care. Before I throw it Alvin, I think you should get a broader range of opinions about grants. That is pretty narrow. Uh, I've taken some grant writing courses and I've gotten some grants. One of the biggest piece of advice I got is to remember that grants are not about art and are not reviewed by artists. They are uh, provided by financial institutions and uh, people who are looking to either promote themselves as a social enterprise or to get a, a tax write-off. And so the sort of implied pressure of what we believe art to be actually has zero factor in how these things are awarded. So yeah, like, yeah, keep sweating. I, I, don't, I don't know. You should get paid. Well, ideally. I mean, like... So. Before we started, before Alvin gets in here, it's just like, for me, like what kind of ended up ultimately happening was like, I don't know, I just kind of got disenfranchised with grant writing, didn't give a fuck anymore. And I just felt like it wasn't kind of central to my process. Like I was going to make this work fucking regardless. Um, and the work that I make is getting attention anyway. So like, why, like whatever, I'm just going to do me, you know, and doing me right now is just like, uh, like looking at these grants is like a fucking headache. It's a fucking nightmare. It's like, holy God, like, I don't want to deal with this shit. You know, I don't want to like, so like I went and I got a side job, you know, and when I'm doing the grind again, you know, so I'm working and uh, that's going to pay for what I want to do, you know? And it's just like, uh, like, that's going to like, uh, arguably like how, you know, mo most people are going to live, right? It's just like, you're going to work a side job, then you're going to do what you actually want to do. Okay, so let me ask Alvin, as our resident communist, although I think I'm getting more radicalized than you. I'm <laughs> reading too much fucking... Hey, I'm free! Oh, but, like, uh, so we have a couple concepts. I mean, art, selling, we should get back to, but Danny's struggling with uh, identifying himself, really, as a commodity, no? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with everything he said. I personally haven't... I don't think I've ever applied to a grant, um, aside from you know, for college or whatever. But yeah, like that, that kind of what Danny said kind of sums up my, my, my gripe with them. Because even when I, when I did exposure in 2017, I remember having to give myself an intro and to write about the work. And even that was really exhausting for me. Cause it's like, I'm just, I just want to do the pictures and kind of let the work speak for itself. Like, I don't want to have to explain any further or try and sell myself, but I did. <laughs> and and that, was a, that, that was a fucking headache. That was more effort than, than doing the body of work itself. Yeah, I think that pressure, as I'm learning, is the, let's call it schism or the conflict or the paradox of our idea of art as a principled emotional and spiritual act. And then art as a business, which as I'm learning historically is not about a commodity, but it's speculative. So, you know, like we want to make money either with street photography or with uh, Danny, with some of your uh, more abstract art, or it sounds like you're a photojournalist right now. Um, how do we turn that into money? Because we're still inside a society that we need to fucking eat and sleep somewhere. I don't know. 
I, I don't know. Like this, this is hard. Like, and like, I only just go with like kind of some of the stuff I've learned from friends too, where it's like, for me, what honestly always feels the most comfortable is like trying to divorce my practice from money as much as possible. Like, cause like money is just ultimate root of perversion, you know, like, a, like it destroys relationships. It destroys people, you know? So it's just like, I, like, I understand what you're saying. There's a basic level of like, you need to eat. Sure. And like, for example, the frame that I made for exposure, right? Like, Another thing that I've been kind of tracked on is like, how do I make art affordable for people like me? You know, like how, how can I get people like me to, to buy art, you know? And it's just like, one of the ways that's kind of made sense to me is like just pricing my art at ridiculously bottom barrel fuck prices, you know, because like, I don't care. I want someone to have this that like wants to have it, you know, like if someone sees it and they're like, holy shit, this speaks to me. Like this is hitting like all the vibes. Like I want this in my home. I'm honored. You know, like I'm fucking like, wow. Well, you know, let me, let me be the capitalist cynic and say, that's the exact reason why you're not making any money. Right. Uh, certainly. I, I understand that. And Which so like, is, it's a problem. It's a problem. And we don't agree with it. Well, that's, that's the game, right? We're in the game. I, you know, I'm reading this Zizek book and like one thing he's right about is that we can't be outside the system, right? We're fucking on discord <laughs> recording a podcast. We're a capitalist. Right, as much as we don't like it, we, we we're privileged. We're sure. all in a house, mm-hmm. right? We're able to post shit on the internet. We don't live in a third world country. We can drink off a tap. So I don't know. It sounds. I'm just wrestling with this problem that I think I've been really naive about this shit. You know, I uh, I'm not sure. To go off on a bit of a tangent, yeah, like like we do live in a like privileged. capitalist, um, yeah, like a, a, a capitalist structure of the economy and society, but. It's still just because we live in it and we operate in it doesn't mean that we can criticize it. Oh, we should criticize it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But how do we, how do we exist in it uh, with that critique, you know? Well, yeah, it's hard. Like, unless there, there was, oh, fuck, I don't want to have to say this, but fucking people's revolution or some Mao shit, right? Like, you know, like a cultural revolution. brother. Well, uh, you know, the problem with that is you're not wrong, is that the trick of, uh, you know, rich people right now is they give us just enough sustenance that we have nothing to regret. Yeah, yeah. They, they sprinkle the crumbs, right? Yeah. And then you, you're just like, all right, I'll, I'll fucking take it. It could be better for everyone, but right now, like, I got to worry about me because that's the system that we operate under, yes. right? It's not that people are greedy, but no. the system um, encourages you to act in greedy ways absolutely completely agree with that yeah. Yeah. or it, it doesn't encourage you it coerces you yeah. i should say that yeah coerce is yeah. a great way to put that 100 so uh you know like within going back to the context of art otherwise you know there's a different style of podcast but it's the same conversation like what are we supposed to do then guys as photographers yeah right? so like what's uh, the point of keeping pictures well wh- why do we do a podcast right like are we <laughs> are we trying to make money off of it or are we just trying to like share ideas i'll, and- I'll tell you honestly if someone will pay us for this shit, i will gladly <laughs> and, take that and, fucking money and th- hey right? that, that that's great too but like <laughs> right now we're we're sharing ideas and, and i'm here to shoot the shit as, as a voice like i'm fine yeah, with that, and, you know and as of right now like that's that's the thing that we're kind of operating under right we're just operating under vibes i think art should ultimately be treated in that same fashion as well right like i i have a lot of books and I'm going to say I, I bought a lot of books that I did not enjoy because I was told that it was going to co- like it was going to raise up in value. Right. 
And these are the books that I do not. I, fuck, I actually fucking don't like looking at these books. <laughs> like the collectibles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's seen as a collectible, but it's like, do I enjoy it? No, not really. Like I would like this would much rather be um, better off with someone who will enjoy it. Right. Yeah. And they have done that. But here's the thing. They don't. Those people do not enjoy it for its content. I think this is the point. Like, so when I was uh, in my late 20s, I started getting into buying like first edition books off of this uh, reseller in America. I never took them out of the fucking bag because they'll start to disintegrate, right? So then the question was, why the fuck do I have this thing that I can't read? So it's the same idea, but the concept is that in 10 or 15 years, I could try to auction it off and make an extra 10 bucks off it in the wider scale of fine art that could be 10 million bucks. But, you know, isn't that our naivety that you bought a book because you thought the content might be good, but the reality is it doesn't exist for that, right? It's not there as a picture book. It's, it's there as a, as a brick of gold. Maybe I don't fucking know. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I just, my, my brain just shut off when you said, um, <laughs> I can't read. And, and I thought of like this Leah Michelle joke about like how she can't read. And I was just thinking, oh, like, I wonder if Leah Michelle collects books, even though she can't read. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. It, nothing makes you look smarter than oh, a fuck. full library, bro. Like, uh, I used to have one. That's true. I mean, many look right. Billy bookcases full of shit. Then you got to move. Then it yeah. feels bad, you know? But I'm going to trace it back to the frame real quick and kind of like recontextualize this question a little bit um, or this kind of topic uh, back to art. Um, you know, so like the frame, for example, that I added exposure. I wanted to sell it for $44.44 because my favorite number is four. It's hella cursed and I love that, you know? So um, that's what I wanted to sell it for. And then the buyer, um, one of my friends, right? Um, he was like, I'm not, like, if you give me to me at that price, I'm giving you a G. So give me a, like, like, do not fuck with me. Like, don't, you know, don't like, it's worth way more than that. And we both know it, you know? Um, and I was, I was floored, you know, like I was like, and I think like, that's kind of partially maybe an answer, right? It's like, you know, you like, I feel like if I were price myself at these ridiculously low prices so that my work is more accessible for people who don't have the means, right. Then, you know, if they can and want to pay more, they will, if they're honest about it. Isn't there a conflict? Cause clearly this is somebody who suggests they have the means. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> which which is in of itself at least isn't like a, there's a naked honesty to it you know and which i can respect and appreciate you know well here's the thing like uh, i know that you uh did you get it at an auction or did you find that frame uh i thrift all my frames from the women in need shelter oh, right right yeah, thrift, yeah, thrift. yeah but like alvin and i were talking about and you've done this too when you do fine art printing your baseline cost on a gallery photograph is going to be five, 600 bucks minimum. Right. 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 Oh yeah. And then if you're doing what you did and intentionally breaking that fucking thing, there's actually an added cost to do that correctly. If you're doing the fine art. Sure. So how do we, how do we put those things together? Cause not everybody's going to go to Goodwill and make an art project out of a found frame. Right. You know, like if, if Alvin, even the book Alvin made with the, with the B-boy culture thing, there's a minimum Safer? price. Yeah. There's a minimum price for the production of that publication yours too sure. like your was it yours that was hand bound by your friend is that yeah that's right yeah i mean fuck dude like that if you become famous that book becomes worth thousands of dollars right <laughs> it's weird it's a weird thing to think about actually what brought me a lot of peace in this uh i, I don't know but it, i think it's worth throwing into the conversation is like my extremely fundamental 
like extremely Buddhist aunt, like far right Buddhist, like militant Buddhist aunt. I like the idea um, of a far right Buddhist. I That's great. <laughs> oh yeah, they exist, my guy. They exist. They're, they're fucking hella militant. Um, she, we kind of sat around talking one day. She lives in America, and uh, I kind of like I've just been kind of getting around to my relatives, and they're finally starting to really understand what I do as an artist. And, you know, I still struggle with that, uh, that term, but, uh, you know, I told her like, this is kind of what I'm doing. Like, this is, this is me. I'm an artist. This is kind of what I want to do work in. Right. And she looked at me, kind of gave me a funny, weird look. And then she smiled and she said, but like, well, that only means that you're only, like, you're only going to be rich after you die. And I thought that was kind of perfect, you know, as a person who spent a lot of time depressed, um, and like kind of searching for a way out sometimes it was like there's like a deep poetic beauty to that to me where like i don't get to enjoy this this lifetime you know maybe i get to enjoy it after you know and like that's kind of cool to me like i i enjoy like that that for some reason brought me peace because i'm like yeah hell yeah after i'm fucking gone from this mortal coil maybe maybe these will be worth something and that's sick you know it's a so, 18th century romanticism oh absolutely romanticism it doesn't exist anymore right? Pop art fucked that up. People want to be celebrities while they're alive. Look at Beeple and who's that fucker with the Instagram that takes shit pictures and he's got like a million- Humans of New York? I can't remember. As Donna was showing to me and he, he sells his car, he took a picture from his iPhone of his fucking steering wheel and apparently auctioned for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's a fucking joke. I think I like, and did they, did they actually print out the Instagram yeah, yeah, yeah. frame and all that shit? I like think the, so. Like the system UI? Well, not the guy. Oh, There's fuck. one guy who stole other people's Instagrams, but this guy does his own. But anyways, whatever. Yes. yes Same shit. Something. Same shit, yeah. ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. And put it up in a gallery and, you know, I don't know, man. Like, are, are we are we romantics? Is that the problem? Are we living in a bygone era? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really care anymore. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I, like, I don't know if I care about, like, that term either. It's just, like, <clears throat> I want to be authentic to myself. I don't want to make work that's authentic to what I want to make, you know? Like, so, like, I think, like, staying true to, like, the pillars that, you know, make you want to do and make work in the first place is important, you know? Like, like I said, like, for me, like, the fundamental thing is, like, I, I want to make work about our marginalized societies, you know? I want to make work on the fringes of gang culture, drug culture, you know, of things that I'm a part of that I get to see. And I think, you know, in 20, 30 years, 50 years, 100 years, when capitalism is finally fucking gone, people can look at these photographs and be like, this is what people had to do, you know, to make bed, you know, like to get it, you know, like how, like, and this is the shit that they had to go through every day to get a bag, you know? So it's like, like, why, why are we living for a bag? You know, like it fucking doesn't matter, you know, like, yeah. I think that's, like for me, the relevant part of historical documenting that we're doing, right, is like documenting living in capitalism while it's still here, you know, because I think genuinely we are eventually slowly snail's pace, not people's revolution's pace, yeah. moving <laughs> towards a system that is kinder and friendlier. But the contradictions are showing itself slowly but surely. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like this is just like the, I don't know, the, the, the quote from Niran Mata always gets me like, this cannot continue. You know, like this just cannot continue. Like wages are so low. Rent is so high. I have boys who are like struggling, who can't make $1,600 a month. You can't find a place in Calgary under $1,500. You know what I mean? Like that's fucking insane. You know? So like the cracks are starting to show, you know? Cracks are showing for us at the bottom. 
Yeah. But the people at the top don't give a fuck. Yeah, you know, I, that, you know where that, that's I a lot of people. Alvin's come to pick me up. You know, my neighbors do not give a fuck about what you're talking about. I live in Fort Swan. I can pan out right now. I can show you homeless encampment. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, uh, we're. I want to agree with everything you guys are saying, but you know, if you look at the art market, I, this other article uh, was talking about how the art market has been impervious to financial collapse. So, like through 2008, through the there's another collapse in 70 oh jimmy carter so 70 78 maybe or 79 um you know everything fucking drops people are starving on the street art market uh completely unaffected with the exception of like individual artists maybe that uh relied too much on contextual evaluation but the art market as a whole you know you don't see leonardo da vinci's mona lisa take a 60 percent hit in the mortgage crisis of 2008 right so th there's something weird about that. Uh, even gold goes up and down, and art doesn't. It's uh, it's a weird thing. I don't know. Uh, Capitalism is a weird problem, <laughs> uh, but it affects us as artists. Like Alvin and I don't take. I don't know, but if you start taking pictures, but I can't take a picture anymore, man. Like I, I'm actually taking the least amount great. I've ever taken in my life. Yeah, yeah. but you. You're on a project, dude. Yeah, but right? like There's... that's like really, yeah. You know, like I'm like like I don't know, like uh, again, photography for me is like a way for me to deal with a lot of my own personal shit. So like, <laughs> it's fucked, and this is its own conversation. But I feel like the happiest I've ever been, and um, because of that, I'm not putting making up as much work as I usually do, and that it creates its own turmoil and conflict within me. Like, do I only take good pictures if I'm fucked up? Like, like so. So, okay, well, let me throw a hypothetical then. Like, let's say, um, for whatever reason, um, let's say your Instagram page falls across the desk of a private gallery here in Calgary, and uh, you know Johnny Gallery calls you, and he says, or they say. Um, you know, I want to represent you. So for a 60-40 split, like you take the 40, but I'll cover the production costs and put this in front of some rich white people in Calgary. Um, you know, are you going to say no to that? Out of uh, principle? No. Because like, I th like, yeah, sure, there's principle, but there's also getting your money, like you said, you know, like, we still exist in the chronological like context of like, existing under capitalism. And this is kind of one of the things that uh, I talked to some of my friends who are in, like, run a lot or are playing the music scene are in bands and stuff like, um, should you open for like a white supremacist group? You know, like, or, or no. like one that's rumored for, <laughs> no. right, 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 certainly. But, you know, as an artist, I can also respect other artists being like, I need to make money and eat. So like, I'm going to take this gig, but these are not my stances. And this is not what I support. You know what I mean? So like, I, I like, you know, there's, there's gotta be room to go get your money, you know, like, and, and no one should judge you for that. Right. The, the, the issue becomes if you make all your art about making money. But isn't that what happens after that? I mean, to some people, sure. But it's like, I mean, I can't say it won't happen to me. But like, you know, like I would hope that I could stay true to my principles and be like, no, like, like you can represent me 60, 40. Cool. But I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I expect the creative freedom to continue to do that. You know, and if you're not going to give me that, then I won't sign. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know, Alvin, what's the what's the most expensive piece you sold? Uh, you don't me? have to give a number, but I don't know. No, I, I don't, I'm comfortable with that. It was the exposure piece. It was $444.44. Because 
because like that was the next step. It's like, well, it's not going to be four thousand dollars and four hundred forty-four cents and forty-four. Maybe cents. one day, but maybe. You know, but what, like, what about you, Alvin? Like, what's when? When was the when was the big sale last? Um, I sold one of a hand, like a handmade darkroom print of it, it was framed and everything, right? Like professionally framed from a store we're all aware of. Um, I sold that thing for about six hundred dollars. All right, so if we can... And I felt bad. I felt bad selling it at that price. Well, this is the but thing. Like, so it, based on anecdotal uh, memory, it just is a thought experiment. There's no way, unless we kept the diary, did that negatively affect your output? Because I know it did mine. As soon as I sold one of my big acrylics for uh, a bit of money, everything became about chasing an image that I thought would be marketable. And then it fucking corrupted the idea of why I was even taking pictures. Never mind, you know, all the other, you know, drama and all that shit. It's like I've begun to realize, thinking back, that uh, I was starting to think like, if I can't sell this picture, then why am I taking it in the first place? Yeah, that's never happened to me. Um, and I think I have uh, like a different, like a couple safeguards in place because again, I already intentionally priced my shit extremely low, right? Um, and so it's never usually affecting that when it when it does happen and like it's a decent uh, i will say like i sold a set of three prints for 600 bucks as well but that's like then 200 each frame so not necessarily into the equation but uh that was also a large purchase and um you know like for me like it doesn't affect me because generally the people who are buying these things are like excited and want to buy it um and that means a lot um to because i mean like to me, the whole pleasure here is like to be seen, right? Like if someone sees you and sees your work, that's always this beautiful feeling. Um, that's like kind of undescribable. Like I can't really put it into words. It's yeah, just, it's it's very validating. Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. very powerful for, you know, um, a bunch of men who have been oppressed, you know? So it's just like when you get to be seen, you're like, wow, like, thank you. You know, like what an honor, you know, like, thank you, you know? Um, so like that helps me the most. And again, like just intentionally making sure that my stuff is and always will be like affordable because that's what matters to me. You know, like even my process of printing, like I don't go to that store that we all know of anymore. Like I just use the connections I have, the people I have, and I talk to them and I spend time with them and they make work with me, you know? And like, that's kind of where I'm at now instead of like going to shops and stuff. It's like, I reach out to my network of, you know, close friends, family, and you know, see what we can do, what we can make, you know, like I want to put a show in a nail salon here, right? Like pretty soon. Uh, I don't know how soon as soon. I still got to talk to the guy, but you know, there's other Vietnamese people who want to get involved now because they've seen my work at Exposure, and like that's cool. You know, I want a nail salon show because I think that's fucking hilarious. You know, uh, like it. it it's, speaking of racism, yeah, like, exactly. Racism. Right? It's like meta. It's contextual. It's about how I'm always serving this invisible white audience. You know, so it's like, how do I talk back? You know, that's really fucking dope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What What about you, Alvin? I mean. What what is it that uh, that still drives me? Yeah, or what's holding us back? Well, you know, okay, if, it, if it's not finance, or maybe it is. I don't know. What do you feel? Um, I don't know. Uh, like I'm I'm still taking photos of my kids. That's like my bread and butter. Pause real I'm quick. Not sharing. I, like your photos of your children are absolutely incredible, and I just need to say that it needs to be on the oh, record. Oh, thanks, man. Like truly, 
when I see them, Dan, I feel Dan is going to afford you $444. Yeah, you want it? Yeah, I'll send it to you, man. It's, all good. it's cursed, though. And I don't want to well, curse I, your family. So, yeah. Like, spe- speaking of, like, monetizing my kids or whatever, like, I... There, were, there was one point where um, when I was doing the kiddo project, uh, like, I, I had this, like, big idea for it where, for, for context, like, I, I'm, I made a project called Kiddo. This was, like, shortly after I had kids, and it was, it was really based on the idea or feeling or nostalgia of growing up as a kid. Like, I wanted to make the project seem like, like the feeling of being a kid was being projected. So I took photos of my kids. Uh, kids on the streets, right? When they were doing something, you know, like really innocent, really naive. And then I slapped that together with like pictures that my kids drew. And incredible, I had this whole, by the way, incredible. I saw a kid. It's thanks. Phenomenal. I wanted to make it into like almost like a kid's book where, you know, like the Eric Carl books where like it was like thick cardboard paper and like potentially some like sliders here and there. I wanted to make it like that. But Obviously, you need money to like make that type of book. And I wanted to make like 20 copies, but the minimum you need is like, I don't know, like 500. And that costs about like, <laughs> well, <I> know, <laughs> that costs yeah, like a lot of fucking cost. money, right? Yeah. And that's like, that's and like, and then you gotta think about like, like, how are you gonna move 500 copies? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Look, exactly. This is, that, this is I, where I still you have apply that, for a grant. Yes. Well, I still have that. No, like not even like I, I still have that issue with Cypher. I still have a box of fucking like yeah, 200 cop, like not even 200 copies, like 350 copies because I only moved like 25 in total. <laughs> like, yeah, and like I'll make this point right now. Like I don't know if there's any, you know, emerging artists or stuff like kind of kind of like listening to this or whatever. It's like I think one of the best things you can do is like intentionally do lower print runs because like. If you sell out of out of like fifty copies, you sell out of hundred like you know twenty copies, you feel good, you know. Like it's like wow, like there's like you know like like but when you're sitting on that extra stock, sometimes it can kind of haunt you. You know what I mean? And like yeah, kind of yeah. like dredging yeah, your brain, and be like me. yeah, dude, like it sits there and it's like fucking this emotional baggage. It's like ah, <laughs> like you need a higher you need a higher production capital cost. Like you just need to start off with capital. Let's start there. Do. Like the, a lot. Let's be real. A lot of like successful businesses like started off with a lot of capital. You need a right? you need a seed. You need a nut. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess like my issue there too is like you know when you start saying you need a higher production capital when you start saying shit like that my brain blanks and I'm like I just don't give a fuck you know like I don't want to think about shit. Yeah, like but that. Danny, Danny, like if we reflect, you know. Not in, I mean, this is a bit of a critical way, but you have the privilege of somewhere to fall back on. Sure. Like if you fuck this all up, your parents, you know, still have a place for you to fucking sleep, whether you want to be there or not. Sure. But if you, if you're like, I've met a lot of people that are completely properly alone. Right. They do not have the ability to say, well, I'm just going to do this for the principle of it. And if I starve to death, it's fine. That's not, it comes from a position of frankly, capitalist privilege because we do have I, I live in it, man. Like when my magazine died and uh, we stopped getting paid for the podcast and, you know, I couldn't do other things. I mean, I got sick. I have come to realize how much I rely on my parents, my wife, even my kid, because uh, if I'm completely by myself, I can't even take the risk of running 50. I can't. I can't afford it, man. Like I, mean, I was printing those magazines at like a dollar fifty, two bucks printing cost, never mind not being able to pay my artists. Uh, I can't even put that money in, man. It's it's tough. I get you. I feel you. Uh, 
there's a thing that people are always seeing in art is it takes a village, right? It absolutely takes a village. And I mean, like the biggest thing is like, you have to go out there. You've got to make connections. You've got to make family friends that are like going to care and like want to participate in some way. You know, that's why literally all three of us are here, you know, because like, I believe in you, man. So like, I, I like what you're doing, you know? So like, here I am, you know, spilling my guts on this fucking microphone for no fucking reason for no one to listen to, which is fine because I'm here to shoot the shit with the boys. And that's cool. Exactly. But like, I, I certainly understand what you're saying about like a privileged fallback position. Um, but again, that's why I'm saying start low. You know what I mean? Like you, if you start low, there's way less chances of you getting hurt. If you print 20 copies and you sell all 20, then you in good faith, maybe do 40 next time. You know what I mean? Because you know that you can do 20. You know, like start small. I when I shot my first fucking wedding in Calgary, I shot it for five hundred bucks on Kijiji. You know what I mean? Like because I didn't know what the fuck I was capable of, or where to price myself, or what the fuck was going on. I just know I needed to make fucking money because I got a university degree and I didn't get a fucking job after. You know what I mean? And I was depressed and I was like, "Holy Jesus, God, what am I gonna do?" You know. So I put myself on a Kijiji. I shot a fucking wedding for five hundred bucks. Then I told myself I'll shoot the next one for six hundred, and I grew like that, just a hundred bucks each time. And I fucking did 12 hour days, you know, like was, and then like, you know, weeks of editing, right? And it was never worth it, but I was scared and I was, I was tentative, right? I wasn't sure this was going to pan out. You know, I needed to dip my toes in. So it's like, start low, you know, you don't have to dream of the sky first. What I'm going to do, I'm just going to wait till I die. That's wisdom, my guy. I'll see what they do about it, right? They can just like put it in the photo album. Because I'm too lazy to. I'm too lazy to print it into a photo album. So I don't know. Maybe they can like find some cool shit and be like, let's put on Flickr. There's an anecdotal story about this Peter Wilson guy at Sotheby's. The first private sale he did, he took a fucking massive hit, almost got fired. So he tried to do an exclusive agreement with this artist and wanted. I don't know, 10,000, let's say, because this artist was also talking to a private art dealer. And then he came back and the artist's like, no, I, I want 15,000. It kept going up, up. Eventually, he agreed to, let's say, 30, but he ended up only selling the piece for 15. So he took a huge hit and Sotheby's is really angry. But to your point, Danny, um, there's like an establishment piece where he takes the gamble on how to build up because in hindsight, a $50,000 art piece is a joke nowadays. So- it's interesting. What's this guy's also name? The opposite. Uh, Peter Will. Peter Wilson. Peter Wilson at Sotheby's. I was told the opposite when I started out. I was given the maybe poor and hindsight advice of setting a market price from the beginning, uh, which you know what? Like I'm listening to you, I'm thinking maybe that was the already poisonous first step I took in looking at this work as a commodity rather than you know uh, some uh, art. I don't know. I mean, uh, whatever you want to call. Like, there's a couple things to add here, like that I've been meaning to say to you. Like, first of all, like, <laughs> like, like as much as we do participate in that market, we also we don't. You know, what I'm saying like that's not that market, that art market, that high art market is as currently unattainable to it. It's just copium, right? Like, it's like something to fuel your fucking dreams with to be like, oh, like maybe one day, right? Like, because right now we don't play in that. You know, we like we're not playing in that. You know, like so, like to like just start immediately associating yourself with that is like it, like to me insane like to me personally and like i don't know i heard this so much too when i was first starting out people were always like you know if you price yourself low everyone's going to remember that you know there's price memory on your work because it's not valuable and then like for me you know and kind of what i've been saying too right like like this whole death thing like your work will be valuable after it dies it's like to me like man like 
you know, like I don't even feel good about myself. So, you know, I'll just make work. And if it sells at all, that's a blessing, you know, like, holy shit. And, and then that obviously feeds back into like what you were saying about like, we'll take the crumbs. But my guy, like we've been eating crumbs our whole lives. Like I don't even know what a proper loaf is. You know what I mean? So like, I'll take the crumbs and I'll thank you for them. You know, like, cool, appreciate it. You know, like, uh, like we don't play in that market. So there's no point in like trying to pretend you are, you know? And and for me, when I price my stuff low, I don't mind being remembered as a guy who made inexpensive art. You can call it cheap if you want. And there's negative connotations there, but like Asian people are cheap as fuck. So whatever. Oh, I, you know? it's not about, not about cheap. Um, maybe it's the only thought I was having while you were explaining that is, you know, if we want to participate in that top level culture, other than having to become a great essayist, essayist about our own work, um, do we need to chase it? Like, do you need to door knock galleries or do you think it's something where you need to be discovered inherently? Uh, no, sorry. Yeah. Uh, accidentally. I think, I, <laughs> I think you just need to know some fucking rich person to be right able to people. get your foot through that door no because like because that that was the vibe i got especially when i did the uh that portfolio review like a lot of uh like bougie fucking art gallery owners just like looked at the work and like criticized it to a point where it wasn't even about the work anymore it was about the methods like oh i think you should like turn it turn the photographs into illustration and it's like okay like i don't want I don't care about your opinion now. Like this isn't this isn't constructive. Like I'm gonna do me. Yes. And clearly, this is something that that doesn't that you don't fuck with. So like, yeah, why are we even talking? They're trying to criticize you on how they needed to sell it, rather than yeah, exactly. what you did. Yeah, yeah. But again, like it's because everyone's got these like egregious, uh, like you know, like reach, like not reach, but like dream of participating in that market. You know, and like. Uh, my portfolio, I've only ever had one portfolio review. Uh, I've talked a lot with a lot of my community about portfolio reviews, and we genuinely believe that like portfolio reviews are good for some artists, for sure. Certainly, if you're looking for a level of critique, but a lot of times it's like, it's good for people who, and this sounds extremely harsh, it's good for people who don't have like honest friends to talk to about art. You know what I mean? Like if you don't have a close circle of friends who participate in making art or doing art, it's hard to get a real crit of your work, you know? So like, that's totally understandable where a portfolio review comes in really handy, right? But for me, like, I think the, there, the most negative thing about a portfolio review is that, especially for emerging artists, like for emerging people, like you still need to find your voice. You still need to find like, kind of like what your style is, what you're doing, why you're like behind the lens or, or doing what you're doing, you know? And so much of that is so formative to like the work that you're going to create that like letting someone in and meddling with that early, I think is dangerous. You know what I mean? Because it just fucks shit up. It, it sets these weird expectations. Um, and you know, like to be perfectly frank, the one and only portfolio review I ever had, the, the panelists told me to submit to Vietnam. They didn't tell me where to submit in Vietnam. They didn't do any research about art in Vietnam, but they just said like, we think this work would be really strong in Vietnam. And I like, to me, that sounds like a, like a cop-out and a fucking joke. You know, Vietnamese photographer in Canada should submit to Vietnam. Tell me where, help me. You know, like, like, you know, like what, you know, like, <laughs> Fuck, that's you so know, like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not trying to out them or whatever. It's just like, man, like I was like, I was choked, my guy. Like, I was like, dude, like I, I 
what? That's what I should do with my work. Like, like, like again, if they had done some research and they were like, hey, like, we know some establishments in Vietnam that we think would love your work. Like, you should try submitting to A, B, and C. But no, they're like, no, like, you should just submit it to Vietnam as if, like, an entire country filled with millions of people isn't, like, how do I, <laughs> where do I start? You know, like. You guys are a monolith, Danny. Don't you know that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a person. <laughs> Ridiculous. So that's how I feel about portfolio reviews. Um, like, take time to create your style, your voice, and figure out what the fuck it is you want to do, you know? Yeah, how do you find a voice, you know? Like, uh, just do the Elvin's, work. Uh, a winner. Just do the work. Zealot, exactly right? what Elvin that said. Influences. You yeah, just do what? the work. You try. You try what you think is going to be good. What you don't like. Even about if it. it's not good, it could still be your voice, and it could be yeah. good later. We all know photographs age and art ages. You know, like it's like this shit changes contextually all the time. You know what I mean? So it's just like you know, all the time you look back at old photographs, you're like, damn, this one was actually a fucking banger, and I didn't see it at the time. You know what I mean? Like, so, like that's like make the work, do the work, right? And then I firmly believe that it's like you know, like your subconscious will speak to you, right? Like, what are you fixated on? What are you taking pictures of all the time? And then a body of work evolves from that, you know? Oh, I mean, yeah, becoming more abstract, of course. But like, what what does it mean to see something good in your art? I agree with you. I've felt that intuition, you know. Well, like, what does it mean to see something? Like, do you like it? Because if you like it, then it's good, right? I, that well, should mean a lot. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I, I'm just never satisfied. <laughs> okay, well, here. Like, I think you are hard to satisfy, my guy. Like, to, to a hard read on you, I think you are pretty fucking hard to satisfy. Baggage, <laughs> <laughs> baby. Well, are, 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 you, are you trying to, like, ultimately sell your photographs or just, like, have, like, or are you content with just having them stored somewhere in a dark yeah, deep dark place yeah, that's a good question i mean and this is i think for me personally this is the problem i think that definitely by 2018 2019 i associated good with sellable 100 you know i was trying to put on shows i wanted people to pay me exorbitant amount of money um i was one step away before i got sick of actually like trying to do another portfolio review to go in front of galleries and then uh you know, cynically and probably uh, incorrectly, I started thinking how I detest this idea of having to sell myself like in a paragraph, right? This is my vision. This is what my work's supposed to represent. And, you know, it's kind of uh, hypocritical because that's exactly where I was going anyways. But what happened after that when I um, had to take my break is I started liking the pictures I took uh, four years prior more, right? I would find the shit that you and I did like when we were walking around the street when we were just having a fucking good time being two Asian dudes taking pictures. Uh, and I started thinking, oh, well, this is much better than the thing. You know, if I look at it now, I don't know if I would feel the same. Like you guys are making this point. It's constantly shifting. You know, it's contextual. But listening to you, I, I'm just not sure, right? Like I'm not in the, I sell my photograph space maybe ever again, or at least not right now. So I don't know what a good photograph is anymore. You know, we, we talked about that thing you sent me with that picture of the fucking canyon that sold for 60 million, whatever it was, right? Yeah. 20 million bucks. It's These like, nuts. What is that? But that's the world a lot of people dream of being in. Yeah, and that's, that's where... an entirely different world, you know? Like, I was in LA recently, like, epicenter of the Western world, arguably, you know? And it's just like, you go there, it's just like, it's a different fucking world, man. Like, the lows are fucking low and the highs are fucking high. Like, I see guys... Two G's on their sleeves on tats for sure. Like designer fucking sleeves. And they're on the street cracked out. 
You know what I mean? It's like, it's insane. You know, like, it's just a different world. That's like, like, obviously, I don't know. And this is one of the things I think that's important kind of to talk about to you uh, contextually is like, um, I think Canada is also starting to realize that we're not America, like, and we can't do those things. Like those things are not real. And we're, we're learning to lean on ourselves and our communities more because like international shipping is fucking insane. And the USD is insane. I walked in $1,200 Canadian Bring it, change it to American to go to LA for a weekend. Oh, like six hundred bucks, like a dollar. <laughs> I got. I walked out with eight hundred dollars. I went in there with a rack. You have to pay them. I went in there with a rack, <laughs> and I walked out with less than a G. I was like, "Fuck this, man!" Like, that's my money. Like, I worked hard for that shit. You know, like, what the fuck? You know, it hurt, man. So it's like, I don't know. I think we're quickly realizing that, like, that's not the world and playground we play in. You know, like sixty million for a canyon shot is like, I don't know, like that's. It's insane. <laughs> like, that's the speculative part. It's like, it's not the work itself. It's not. Right, right, right. It's but a I mean, story. Like, I'm, I'm, I participate a lot in like uh, playing Magic, the the gathering, like the card game. And uh, I got like friends deep in that in those trenches, big communities. And it's the same shit, right? It's just like, I would argue that Magic cards are like literally the first NFTs. You know, it's art on a fucking physical paper card. And, and then, you know, like people trade them. You know, and then like then then they have a price on them after because they're so old and they're sought after. Well, here's the thing about oh, that. Shit. Just quickly, <laughs> like when I was growing up, that was uh, baseball cards, Pokemon comics, cards, right? Right. But that actually is affected by the uh, for real markets, though, because back in when I was like twelve, I think that's Spider Man one, Tom McFarlane, and the gold edition five years later was worth like a thousand bucks if you got the first print. But I looked at that recently and you can buy them for 20 bucks now. Well, Fine art's impervious to that, which is weird, right? It doesn't deflate with cultural context. Right. It's very strange for the most part. I don't know. I think the really old shit has value in it because um, it's like it's really fucking old and like the work is- It's incredible. really fucking old, exactly. It's really yeah. fucking old and the work is incredible. But like pop art shit, I think, I think that's where we conflate the two, where things get mm. confusing. Because you get, you see like, you know, as you mentioned, like Instagram screenshots of other people's Instagrams selling for, no, like egregious Whatever. prices, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you're like, huh, like, like, should my shit be worth that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the answer in reality is no. Yeah. But the answer in my mind is yes, fucking why not? You know, why can't I get $60 million for this? But like, why should you though? Yeah. Well, and so this is the entitlement piece. I don't know. You know, the separation between want, desire, necessity, you know, I don't know, all of that stuff, but what it means to get what you think you want and settle for what you need, I don't know. I should, I right? should ask, like, at what price point are you going to be okay with? Are you going to be like yeah. completely satisfied? Because for In me, it's like, system, never. <laughs> because for me, it's, it's a matter of the costs, right? Like the costs of production. So I need paper, I need ink, I need darkroom supplies, right? If you pay for that, then I'll do I'll do the labor or whatever. There is value in labor, but ultimately I just want my shit to be somewhere else aside from in my hands. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. For me, like it's just like it's not even about physical cost and shit like that. It's about like does someone actually want a piece that I made? You know, like that's that's the basic fundamental thing that drives me, you know, like and I will make it affordable for them. You know, uh, you know, an interesting thing to talk about here too is um, like tattooers and tattoo culture that's also changing where like a lot of tattooers now also um, charge you on a scale, 
You know what I mean? As opposed to just like a straight up price. Now, obviously this isn't the case everywhere, but a lot of um, the people I've talked to kind of like now do a scale and be like, hey, like minimum is 150, maximum's 450. Like however much you want to put in between that, I'm not going to judge you, right? Because it's also like- What does that mean? Like it's not based on complexity or size. It's based on you pay what you feel you want to pay. It is based on complexity on size still, right? So like if you spend a three hour session, it might be like, you know, minimum is five right? Maximum okay. 15, right? But um, like there's a scale now that like people just kind of approach you with as opposed to just straight up giving you a price. Because I mean, like this is kind of the whole thing about like once again, getting into like divorcing your practice from money. Because like I think personally that's important um, to move but Isn't forward. that even more entrenched in money? Why is there... So what determines the scale? I mean, like if I went to a coffee shop, let's say we went to, you know, Johnny and Bobby's third generation, fourth generation, a new level of coffee right? Fourth wave coffee. And you go up to the thing, he says, well, the drip's either two bucks or eight bucks, right? Like what, so in tattoo, in like your example, what, what drives the price difference? Is it skill? Is it complexity or is it literally the same tattoo? It's you. I I think like the way I view this is, um, I I think a coffee shop is different because now you have to can, well, I I guess it depends where, like where you're getting tattooed, right? Obviously they have a rental space or whatever. I think I think ultimately, as far as photographs go, or like any any art or craft that you legitimately enjoy doing, I think the the minimum price that you should set things at is how much do I need to be able to continue to do the work, right? Because for film, obviously you need more because film is expensive. But for like digital photos, that's right now that's free, but you still need the paper. You still need the ink. You need hard drives. You need yeah, computer hard drives. to like edit it, right? Like you, you, there's still like well, extra. You need your time, right? You need your expertise. You need your ability and flexibility to even move around. Like Danny's going to go out tonight, uh, which is really. If you're if you're taking we're just taking photography because we enjoy it, and then whatever someone likes, you just price it out like after that. Because otherwise, you're you're talking about actual an actual gig like weddings. And shit where like you need to get paid for your labor but as far as like art goes you're already doing the work right and then but isn't, isn't and that after the problem that, no no yes right yes. shouldn't you be thinking it, about it as it a is gig? strictly like capitalistic i'm here for fucking motherfucking monetary gains that is the problem yes i completely agree is that you're doing the work anyway however like i don't know uh, like this goes, goes to your point earlier about you know like we can't exist outside the system i certainly agree with that we cannot but you know, you can still take steps to distance yourself from the epicenter, you know, and like, and that shows in, in my, in my personal opinion. Um, I th- there was an interesting thing about like, uh, I, I read earlier about like the Nuremberg trials and some of the stuff um, that they kind of did with like the, the Holocaust war criminals about like, you know, at what division does an SS officer show responsibility for the atrocities they committed? And, you know, there, there were SS officers, for example, that resigned, you know, that were like, I'm not going to do this. Like, this is not okay. I'm, I'm taking a stance. And then they got pushed over to like the office group and they're still working there, but they actively were like, Hey, I'm not going to partake in the massacre of this Jewish population, you know? And then they got reduced sentences, you know? So like, I think it matters the choices you make to distance yourself from this like massive capitalist epicenter, right? It's, it's easy to get sucked into it. Absolutely. Because like, yeah, I want enough money to take care of my mom. I want enough money to take care of my family. I want to make sure that there's always food on the fucking table, of course, right? But, you know, it matters on how you get that bag and how you're going to like approach the whole thing, you know? Yeah. 
This is like and that is a Hitler that is a Hitler argument. So I do. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. This is and I don't want to like dox myself or anything, so we could take this off the record. But I was always worried about how he's going to appear. <laughs> no, like this. This is how I work in oil and gas. Like I'm a drafter. I'm I do design work, right? But I just happen to be good at it. I don't agree that our government is essentially lobbied by oil oil companies and literally the entire world, right? But I I still exist under that. And I have to survive. Otherwise, like, I have no other skills. This is what I was saying well, about a ban that's opening. That's not entirely true. No, this is what I was saying about a ban opening for a white supremacist group. Like, that's not okay. But, you know, you, you shouldn't judge. Like, if their values don't align with the ban that they're opening for and the ban, like, this white supremacist ban, it's not a confirmed or unconfirmed, just rumors that this ban is, you know. That, counter, that counters your Nuremberg trial argument yeah right? i guess so yeah it the does. nuremberg yeah, yeah, trial argument would mean that this band should be happy to receive their lower sentence of being poor mm -hmm. because they stuck up for their ideals Correct. not that they conceded their ideals so they can further their career right yeah so certainly certainly no i i mean i don't mean to make this into a debate about what you guys are saying i guess my point is just like trying to listen to you guys and trying to figure out what is an acceptable rebellion against this culture of commodifying art just right? do you that's up to you yeah that's up to you man <laughs> if you're not happy you need to figure out ways but to express if that we don't if we don't coordinate which is half the problem with revolutionary action and we all have different intent and modus of operandi then nothing happens i mean it diffuses diffuses the intent you know if my revolution is to become a gig economy photographer, like a corporate uh, portrait photographer or a commercial photographer, because I can still practice photography, do art on the side and get paid. That's different than a person that's, yeah, going to wait till they die and have their box unopened and people missed out on a genius. Uh, and maybe my generational wealth goes to my surviving heirs. I mean, I don't even know how that fucking works. You know, who owns those pictures anymore? But but then we end up in the same space, right? The next generation of photographers get stuck too. Well, I, I think I think anyone's gonna like any like artist is gonna struggle with their work regardless. But I think we you compare like a wedding photographer doing art on the side and then just someone doing the shit and waiting until they die. But it's like who's gonna get burned out faster, and what matters more to you? Are you looking to get the bag early on? And it's not even going to be much like in the grand scheme of things. Or are you just going to like do what you enjoy doing and like don't even worry about it? It's a tough one. My, my psychiatrist asked me this question. Um, would I rather uh, be poor waiting for uh, someone to buy like a picture of my 15 grand? Or would I take a job doing uh, pushing a button at a, like a photo booth if they're going to pay me six grand a month doing it? And so that's a complex question because it's basically challenging me. What's the level in which I'll quote unquote sell myself? First of all, first of all, if anyone is going to offer you six G's a motherfucking month to, to click a shutter, you take that you job. You take that shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's <laughs> the point. This is the point of being six G's, I know. Dude. But this is the point of the argument is that, you know, if I said, well, uh, I'll never take the 6,000 bucks, which is, I think he started off at like $1,000. And I was like, that, I don't that, know if that's that, enough. That's being idealistic though. Like, Yes. True. But it also is basically, I think the purpose was to challenge uh, my thought process, resistant, I, you know, ideologies or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, 
my negative self-talk, which you know we can agree is particularly problematic for Extremely me. Extremely Korean. But here's the thing. <laughs> well, if you want to talk about culture, you know, I, so it's not so much that I want to argue that you guys are doing anything wrong. I think you guys are doing everything right. I'm just kind of stuck thinking, you know, why isn't it good enough for me? So, right? Like, I don't take pictures anymore, right? I agree with everything you guys are saying on both sides and I don't take pictures. You know, I'm about to start a new career in a completely different field, but I love photography too. It's weird. Like, I'm, I think you can still love photography without picking up a camera, my guy. And second of all, like the other big thing is like um, straight up, like, and when you do, it will be a momentous occasion, you know? I have a I have a thought about like the whole like revolution thing and like how we're not really moving towards because we're not unified in any one way. One of the things that I think is important here is like capitalism itself is like it's like a it's like a vampire. It's like Dracula. It's like it, it's unkillable in a sense. It's so old and rooted and this ancient evil and like you know there's like there's no way to really bring about its proper destruction. So like I think. When you take it into your own hands and you protest in the ways that you can protest in or you, you move away from, it's just death by a thousand cuts. And we're starting to see that, you know, this system's bleeding and bleeding bad, you know? And so, like, that's what I mean. Like, so it's everyone taking the time to take little cuts out of the system because there's no way to destroy this juggernaut outright. You know, it's just these tiny little incisions each time that bleed it. How, how are us three going to unify in a single will and purpose to take down this system without you know, guns and shit, which we're not going to do. You know what I mean? Like, that's insane, yeah. right? It might be required. Yeah. That's the red red shirt black. Yeah, guy, that's, right? yeah, that's like, that's like, uh, for me, again, I'm a strong pacifist, so I don't think that's ever going to be the answer. That's just going to create another cycle and another vacuum where, you know, the, the rich wins because they have more resources than you. Yeah, you know? exactly. You either bleed until you can't bleed and they or they run out of money, right? So it's just death by a thousand cuts. Have we ever had an egalitarian society? I, I'm not sure. So that's my fear. It's like, am I standing too hard on this line of uh, being defiant to it that I'm actually getting in the way of me making money? You know, I don't know. Just got a job, dude. I got one. I got one. I finally <laughs> yeah, got you're one. So yeah. your bootstraps, my guy. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I like, got on, one. like on the real though, the the reason why my views are vastly different from yours is because like. I have a full-time job and I'm still able to do photography on the side, albeit like I, I don't do it as much anymore, but I still have the means to do it because I don't have to worry about being a starving artist or whatever. Like I didn't make it my, my work. It's, it's like how, it's like how like someone who starts off rich, right? Like they got an inheritance. They can just be an artist and just do their own thing because they don't have to worry about the bare minimum, right? Like they have their basic means. Does that imply that art is the expression of privilege? In a capitalist society, yeah. yeah. So yeah. on the real here, totally. The thing is, for me, like, is it even a position of privilege at that point? You know what I mean? Like, I can go, I can I make know. this cash, right? I'm 33. I need a fucking job. You know what I mean? I gotta go work, right? And I was just like, all right, like, so I'll go do it. I guess my yeah. my quick overview thought of that is fucking income is complex. Yeah, if, like, it's if, complex. If I got fired from my job, then I I absolutely wouldn't be able to take as many photographs. If no. anything, I have to sell my cameras yeah, just yeah. to just to get by what we push ourselves and do to make bag to make money you know is kind of fucking insane in the 20th century you know when we're talking about hustle culture when we're talking 21st, about 21st. yeah like 21st yeah sorry <laughs> yeah um, we should follow that up with a talk with stefan who's a photojournalist and a journalist to just align that next level of using photography as a, a journalistic tool but also one that's culture forming right 
So yeah, like agitprop. Interesting. Yeah, and I think like there's a lot of dichotomy there, though. Like, like I think like a lot of like for me, I'm always still in the line between like art and photojournalism, and I think like like that's kind of where I want to exist. And I think like lots of other photojournalists obviously exist in that space, but it's just like sometimes you trend towards a little bit more journalistic side. And you're working in the newspaper, and then sometimes you trend on the other side, you know. Al- Alvin brought up uh, image making. I mean, what do you think, Alvin? Like, is there not a journalistic side to kiddo, or is that not image making? Like, where does that exist on this spectrum? Phot- Photography's art is such a weird thing, right? Like, yeah, I think your 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 problem with it um, is that the way the way you frame uh, your views is always rooted in like like some sort of monetary gain. Mm-hmm. Where yes. it's just like transactional, you could just, it's transactional. You could just transactional. Yeah, that's a good word. yeah, 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 yeah. Where where you could just remove remove that completely and just have the work by itself and think, oh, what can I do with this? Like, like what, what what how can I transform these things that I took and then like make it into something else? Like, like how can I make it into something that's um into ideas that I can communicate into how I feel at the moment? Because the great thing with photography is and. This is like with project making as well, editing ultimately, because editing itself isn't is a it really is an art form because you can take all these photos that you previously took and then just like rearrange them in certain ways to like make something completely different. Like I've I've repurposed a lot of the photos I did in Kiddo into, you know, short little Instagram slides. And each time I've reposted them, like they they turned out into to me something completely completely different yeah so i have this new job uh as i'm trained to become an impact producer for documentary films and one of the concepts is differentiating between transactional and transformative experiences right particularly when we're talking about documentary films versus feature films so that's the right that's a good observation i am definitely yeah uh stuck on that everything's transactional it's you're thinking of it as transactional because you currently live under a system where where transactions is the norm, like it's right. the baseline. Do you think of all your relationships as transactional? Well, I, I don't want to say yes, but I think I do. You know, I I mm. honestly think that I do. No, I think it takes courage to say yes. So, yeah. like, like kudos, bravo. Like, like I don't know, man. Like, just be honest with yourself, right? Like, I can't say that every interaction I have is transactional purely, right? Like, this transaction is transformative. I I get information from you guys and lived experiences that will affect how I move forward. It's not necessarily a a trading of commodities, like in a purely capitalistic language. But I don't know if I look at attention as a commodity, how much of my art was transactional? Because I just wanted someone to tell me I did a good job. I don't know, right? That It's complex because it's not necessarily... I know it's a blurry line. I'm not I mean, sure. I think Alvin kind of nailed this on the head earlier, and I, like I kind of do this too. Where it's like, like the person who has to like your work is you. You know, like um, that's that's the person who needs to like it. You shouldn't be making, uh, and you know, I, I see a lot of photographers do this. Like they're trying to make work that other people will like. Well, then you why I mean? show it at all? This gets into this whole thing too. With I think with the digital age and Instagram and stuff like that, that I had a conversation with one of my close friends with too, and she told me, you know, like she like you know when she's looking at my photographs she's like you're already doing art in your own space like you don't need to do it anywhere else like what you're doing there is already like awesome and we love seeing that you know um so like in a lot of ways especially in instagram and this digital age that we live in when you have your own digital space you can put what you want on it and do what you want on it 
and there shouldn't be any judgment there at all. You know, like I'm putting it there because I want to put it there. And to be perfectly candid, often when I'm posting on Instagram, I'm posting because I feel pretty shitty or I feel pretty low or I feel emotional in one way or another. And I could use the dopamine from friends and it's kind of like a check-in, you know, being like, hey, this is kind of where I'm at emotionally. This is kind of where I'm at right now. This is how I'm feeling. And, you know, if you're vibing with it, maybe hit like, you know, like, and, and that's cool. And if you're not, that's fine too, because I'm putting this here for me, you know, um, and, I, and I had to get it out of my system in one way or another. And it helps me, you know, because it is my own digital space, right? Like I, like I get to curate it. And so you, there's an element of control and agency there that is important. Um, and that like as much as disgusting as Instagram is, right? It's still your own space. So you can do what you want on it, right? Like there shouldn't be any judgment for wanting to post pictures on a platform that lets you post pictures. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's Yeah. Well not now anyway. <laughs> Instagram's totally different. Than, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Four it, years it, ago. But fundamentally <laughs> yeah. for me it still works the same. Yeah, yeah. Because it, yeah, yeah. it like I get what I want out of it still. You know what I mean? Because I don't yep. need to interact yep. with all the other shit, even though I'm being fed, fed memes all day, all the time from 18 different sources and weirdly about the things Rude. I talk about. You know what I mean? Like, whoa. I'm not like, worried about it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, you know, it's still a platform for me to just put whatever work I want to, however I'm feeling emotionally out there. And like, that's okay. You know? Something to sit on. Yeah. I don't know. What do, you, what, what do you think for time? We're, we're pretty... Yeah, we're deep. It's pretty long. Yeah. yeah, we could we could do a part two. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm all totally this stuff we're gonna have to keep coming back to because we certainly cannot claim we solved anything. <laughs> Are we trying to solve things? <laughs> I, no, no, I'm talking about like. So concluding. I would argue that through some of the conversations we had, I think it's like if it, emerging artists are listening or whatever photographers, it's like you know, like start small and do it for you. You know, like you had admitted earlier that maybe it was toxic that you were trying to go big so quick. You know what I mean? Maybe like, sure. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. So like, maybe, I, like, and on top of my own character weaknesses that it fed into that. Absolutely, yeah. Which is not to blame uh, the person that gave me that advice. It's just right. It's just the conversion. That advice might have worked for them. You know, like so, oh, like yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, and like yeah. this, this, there's nothing yeah. wrong with offering advice, right? So it's just like it's just like for me personally, it's like I, like and and the album was vibing too. It was just like you know, like you you have to start from the smaller space of like creating work that you want to see out there, and then seeing if it sticks to anyone. And if and and, and it's okay that it doesn't either. You know, like you're doing it for you. I hope. I guess, like, um, do you do you like your work now, David? Me? Yeah. I don't know. I I um I mean you guys know I, I don't post anything. Um mm-hmm. you, know, you know I this niche course so part of this new training program and there's this like a open space where you can post whatever you want like a poem or a meme or a quote or whatever. And so I took uh I I don't know why intuitively I posted that last image that I've posted of a amalgam of uh I think it's a tree. Uh, off of Deerfoot, uh, well, Highway Two, as I was being driven to Lethbridge, um, which is maybe to answer your question, like I, I do like that image that I built. I think that it's reflective of where my headspace has been in the last five years. Why did you post it? I don't know. And this is the weird thing about intuitive, uh, emotional responses. I mean, I'm putting myself in front of uh, five people I don't know very well, which I'm going like I'm going to become well known with them. We we meet twice a week and we're gonna build uh, projects together. But um, 
It is an awkward one, right? Because that means I'm forcing myself to have to explain it too. It's not even that self-evidentiary. It's not like a fucking bio or a self-portrait or anything. It's it's almost egotistical in a way. <laughs> I'm like showing how cool my art is. Like, I don't, fuck, I don't even know. I kind of regret it. I was thinking about deleting it after because I was like, I don't even know why that happened. So I feel that all the time. It's, yeah, feel that all yeah the time. it's a great question. Do I like my work? Apparently I do because I'm not hiding it. But I am hiding it from Instagram, and I haven't shown, you know, shared anything with you guys since I had you look at that book I was creating. Uh, so, I, yeah, it's a, right. It's complex. Okay. It's a complex I, question. I, I guess, like, my next question is, like, if you like it and, and you're happy about it, um, like, are you are you okay with just having it exist, or do you need to have yeah. it out there? Uh, you know what? I think the latter. Because there's a level of uh, uh, idealism that wants me to think that just because I made it, I feel cool about it. But that's not true. Because uh, if nobody sees it, then I don't know that it exists. Uh, I think. And mm. uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a weird. Yeah, it's a weird thought experiment. I I think there are obviously images that all of us create that will never see the light of day for whatever reason, whether they're good or not. I don't know. It just happens, especially in a digital era where they sit on these fucking abstract hard drives as electronic data. Do they even exist? If I forget that I even have it in a library, Lightroom library from 2017, like, is it really, you know, the, when the four, we brought this uh, metaphor, right? The, the tree falls in the forest. It, 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 it exists. It's just, it's just not noticed yet, you know, right? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I think like that's where like the cloud changes things, right? Like, um, like compared to like a regular hard drive on your computer, which is kind of separate from the the network. When you sort of put things in the, if if we ever move towards like a strictly cloud based architecture all the time forever, um, which I mean, I can definitely see us moving towards as race. Um, then you know it exists for sure in the cloud, you know. But in a separate hard drive that might enter a landfill, arguable whether or not that exists, you know. So especially if you never back it up or whatever, right? Did it have value in its creation or once it's thrown out, is it just nothing? I mean, I think that's just, the, like, just that's the biggest question about digital photography and digital uh, photography in the digital age, right? And I think like that's why I'm always telling my friends and stuff like what matters when you're taking the photograph. And, and obviously, like this is a humongous question that is kind of insurmountable for some people all the time, but helps simplify things. It's like, what's your output? Like, what do you want to do with this photograph? Like, where do you ideally see it going? Right. And so like, like, do you guys set that intention before you take a picture or do you get that after you look at what you've made? I set that intention when I do projects. Like, so like this game project right now is like, I wanted to like, cause for me, I'm always thinking about a book because like, that's where I think photographs, like I want my photographs to exist in books, right? Like that's, that's what I like. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to build towards. Right. So like, that's generally what I'm thinking about when I'm doing output. But when I'm, but when I'm just shooting to shoot with my camera on me that I bring with me, then, you know, that's not necessarily into the equation. That's more emotional stimuli response, right? Yeah, for me, it's a, it's a completely different route. I, I shoot first and then I ask questions later, right? I just do the work and then I think about what I'm going to do afterwards. And what I do afterwards, it's literally like, like the world is my oyster because like I mentioned earlier, David... <laughs> Like I can take multiple different, like the same photo and sequence it in many different ways with other photos and I'll create something brand new. Yeah, I completely agree with that too. And like, that's kind of what I've been doing with frames. Like I have two frames that are going to be going up in the plus 15 in May. 
nice. I've been experimenting a lot with um, ripping my photographs and like like turning them into paper balls and then like unwrapping oh, cool. them. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like so much more. Like I don't know. Like once you once you print the photograph, there's an entire conversation too, right? And like for me, that conversation is always about being a person of color and being like because it's like it's so hard. Like we had this discussion too, where it's like are all is everything you make always kind of tied to who you are so everything we make is always asian art you know it's always filipino art it's always korean art you know like it, 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 you can't escape it right mine, mine is white yeah i'm i'm pretty white you say that but like it's still going to be viewed right but like it's still going to be viewed as a, through oh, yeah. a lens of a korean canadian <laughs> right like this was a like that's how they're going to promote you that's like the words that are going to be used to 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 sell or 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 oh. promote your work right all identity right yes and it's like it, that has its pros and cons and there's no getting away from it yeah. i think like that's one of the i don't know like privileges when i was talking to like some of my white friends about it. it's like their work never has to be put onto that lens or that pedestal or anything you know their well, it work, does now it does now. from now on it will yeah especially if they're not taking pictures of other white people it it will yeah people do ask that question now but traditionally yeah, the colonial. Well, traditionally, like that's like the context, right? Like the historical backdrop of that is like you, you, if you existed as a white photographer, could make any work you pleased, you know, and it wasn't colored. It was never colored. It was, it existed in this place above color, you know, which is yeah. like, like our work can never touch that, you know? To tangent off on like identity and uh, like how your work is being made, like whether it's really you or not. Um, yeah, like I just want to add to that. Like you can also view other photographers' work or like other mediums and then take that as inspiration. So it's not really you. It's like it's a culmination of things that you like and how you output it. Like in the B-boy scene, we'd have uh, a thing called biting, right? Yeah. Where you like steal someone else's move, but then there's a there's a way of flipping it. If you flip the move, you take the the same base concept and flip it to something that suits your style. Then it's not it's not theirs anymore. It's like it's yours. You just reappropriated it, and then that's like that's like photography in general. You're like you're really just reappropriating life. We're coming full circle again. Like you 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 take the thing that you think is interesting, and then you you transform it into something completely new. Well, you put four lines around it is what we're literally doing, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, So like like you take the thing that you like, you put four lines around it, and you're like, look at this. Yeah, this is it, and it's not even it's not even real. You know, like that. Like none of that's even real, right? Like it's like. Well, that's a that's a good concept to think about, Danny. If you're thinking of marring those four lines when you present your work, I mean, shattering the glass is one thing, but if you're talking about rolling up your picture in a ball, uh, there is uh, a meta thing to consider about uh, breaking up that context too. Let me see if the webcam can show you guys it. Show a. Show a photograph as a crumpled piece of paper on the floor, right? Pop art. Nice. Oh, yeah. There's a, what was I just reading? Uh, capital, capitalist realism. Oh, Mark Fisher. Yeah, man. Danny, yeah, that's that, where you're, that you're trying to get. RIP. I don't know. Like, for me, like, this is rice paper. I wanted to kind of showcase, like, the strength of rice paper because rice paper doesn't, like, if you crumple, like, normal photo paper, it'll just rip, right? And so I kind of want to like, is this just meta commentary for like the resiliency of immigrants and the resiliency, resiliency of like moving places and like how you can hold up to like the damage and how that changes and affects 
kind of what you look like after because of what you've gone through, you know? Um, so like, I think the rice paper kind of informed that because the, and, and then also on a, like on a, on a purely like candid sense, like when we printed all the rice paper, none of the printers have like good profiles for rice paper because rice paper is weird, which is like, I think hilarious. All these Western printers can't print on rice, which is like, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, like, like Asian about. printers are printing on no, rice. No, no, no. Sure, sure, sure. This is sure, the thing sure. about being counter racist. That's <laughs> yeah. a little hater. Okay. <laughs> fine, 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 fine. Thanks it's for a the rare call. media. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> but it's like, there's like, it's there. And, and then it was like, the colors are like never quite right. So I was like, you know what? Like, why don't we take it? crumple it, destroy it more, and see what ends up happening, right? Well, um, even that in itself has its own context that the colors aren't right, right? Exactly, but, uh, exactly. All right, all right. Just make sure uh, your rice paper is organic. Otherwise, uh, people are going to be upset about it. Yeah, Non-GMO just, just rice. Just peel a bunch of white rabbits and uh, slap it together. <laughs> all, right, all right, I got to go. But uh, okay. So we, we solved capitalism. We solved okay. it. Yeah, yeah, we did it, boys. Good. We did it, boys. <laughs> Death by a thousand cuts. We've uh, we've completely discredited the uh, formal art uh, art market because I mean they're not going to be able to hold their value based on our discussion. No. We, uh, oh yeah. No. Well, it's like so ultimately, cool. they're just moving money around, right? Like that's exactly that's. I mean, that's the other context, right? It's yeah. like this. These things move for sixty million because. The money needs oh, yeah. to move. It's not <laughs> it just needs to be moved. It's, like, it's not that they like it or anything. They're just like, oh, how can I fucking move 65 million offshore? Yeah, offshore? I need to move 65 mil ASAP. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like well, there, across the globe. There's, uh, I don't remember the names of some of the other art dealers, but there is a strong intentionality coming out of the 30s to move art appreciation intentionally to uh, the new... Uh, upper class that wasn't the pre-existing right like bourgeois class so the new money in america which is why american sales uh, leapfrog everybody else uh, coming out of the depression yeah. there's a context that it didn't go down during the depression which tells us a lot about the one percenters that they were not poor uh in 1929 uh despite all the stories of stockbrokers committing suicide and shit like that um but uh, that is the same era where artists became living uh could live with their wealth from these sales so i don't know it's a very strange the one thing that's missing thing. from this conversation and, and the, we can get into part two or whatever part three whatever fuck whatever um it's like we didn't talk about the greek system of like patrons and stuff like that that system walked first so that artists could have bread and and so that we can run sure. now you know what i mean kind of thing right it's like like we, if, if you're talking about the entire historical context of artists yeah, yeah, being yeah. able to eat right it's like there was a patron system within ancient Greek and Rome as well, where, you know, like you would be a patron of an artist, right? And so you paid for them to live and eat and then they would create work, you know? And I, I would even argue that system was more pure than what we have now, right? Capitalism. There is a capital market. There's a class market there, so. That sounds more like a barter system to me. Like they had more... Uh, like it was like... They had more to like trade. Like more free trade, right? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I give you basic living, you give me art because it's i mean it still happens right like i think johnny depp's done that like i remember johnny depp reading something about johnny depp doing this but it's like he gave his summer home to an artist to make work you know he's like i like your work i want to be your patron like i'm ultra super wealthy so i can afford to do this so fucking go live in this place i'll stock it with food make art that's all that matters to me you know and, and like like obviously that's extremely idealistic. No, Johnny Depp ain't, ain't gonna pick up any of us on the street and be like, "Yo, my guy, go to my summer house." You know, but <laughs> I need Johnny counter. Sins to pick me up. And uh... Uh, that one's more complex. Is that patronage or is that PR? I don't know. 
it's uh it's i mean it can be both yeah. you know so like it certainly like like i think pr exists because like anything can be pr so like it, you know like it, the way you spin it matters right so yeah uh, but yeah we're gonna keep you going here forever so yeah. like if you gotta go uh, yeah we'll go uh final point on pr think of grants in that term and you will find a different language that'll be more suitable. Yeah, fuck grants yeah. on God, man. <laughs> no, you need it. <laughs> God, for real, for real. Uh, gangland murders. Yeah. You're gonna need grants. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, someone's gotta pay your hospital bills, buddy. Whatever, man. Especially okay. after uh, Danielle Smith wins again. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, can't, hell yeah brother. I can't wait for austerity to accelerate itself. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> uh, all right. Take it easy, boys. Okay, guys. All right. Have a great day.